Hollow Windows and Doors of Wisconsin's innovative hidden screen folds away when closed, keeping it clean while bringing in a ton more sun. Choose 0% financing for 72 months or a free upgrade to the hidden screen on our 250 series. Visit PellaWI.com today. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. So glad to have you with us. On Fridays, I, I go out of my way to try to... I do a little bit of a lighter show to kind of get us into the weekend in a good mood. I will tell you I am struggling today because there is not much good news around. Let's see. Um, now, if you follow me on Twitter, sent out a number of posts over the last, well, several hours since we last spoke. You can follow me. It's at Jeff Wagner 620. Let's see. Let's try to find a, a good thing. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers reportedly has a new girlfriend. Shalene Woodley and Aaron Rodgers, they are history. But I, I've got the story. And if you want to see a picture of his new girlfriend, um, she calls, well, her name, or at least what she calls herself, is Blue of Earth. B-L-U of Earth. Not Blue of B-L-U-E, like the color. No, not Blue of Earth. Not Blue, B-L-U, of the Earth. Just Blue of Earth. That's what she calls herself. Um, she, at least some reports are that she is a self-proclaimed witch. Which is, th- what that's, you know, that that's what every guy needs in his life is you need a self-proclaimed witch. I mean, you never know. You w- might wake up one morning and you, you, need, you might need a spell. So, I mean, I think, so that's good. Aaron Rodgers, at least according to some reports, and again, I've got a link to this story. He's uh, finding love again. And it was, you know, you had Olivia Munn and you had Danica Patrick and you had Shalene Woldley. And now you've got Blue of Earth. So you can check that out. That's good news. We all want Aaron to, you know, be happy in his life. Let's see. Um, Some other good news. The Biden administration today announcing that it is going to halt outbound COVID-19 tests for air travelers to the U.S. starting on Sunday. And actually, if, if you do travel internationally, this is pretty good news because it's especially timely because we're doing one of our listener trips to Alaska coming up in a couple months. And one of the requirements has been that before you can get back into the country, regardless of vaccinations, boosters, any of that, you have to have a test. You had to have a test like 24 or 48 hours before you came back in the country showing that you did not have COVID. And it was really a pain to get it. I mean, I know when we were in France last fall, they, they made arrangements to do it, you know, on the ship, which was, was fine. But then you had to get make sure you got the results in a timely fashion. But um, they have decided to drop that. So now if you are coming into the United States or in particular returning to the United States and you're on a vacation trip, you don't have to worry about scrambling around trying to find a COVID test so you can get back into the United States. Now, depending on where you go, doesn't change the fact that you might have to have a COVID test before you leave or whatever. But this is, that's some good news. I mean, it's, and it's always, it's kind of always in the back of your mind. I mean, if you're traveling and you're thinking, okay, I'm on this vacation and I'm in Europe or 
you know, I'm in Mexico or I'm in Canada or, or wherever and I'm on this cruise or whatever. And it's always kind of in the back of your mind. Gee, what's going to happen if somehow I, I've tested positive and now I'm going to have to be stuck for a week or 10 days or whatever. So the Biden administration has dropped or will on Sunday be dropping the requirement that if you want to come back into the country or come into the country, you need to have a covid test um, immediately beforehand. Don't know how the rules apply with vaccinations and stuff, but most of us who travel overseas are vaccinated. So, okay, so you got Aaron Rodgers finding love again. You've got the, the COVID rules being relaxed a little bit. All right, anything else good that you can find, Jeff? Well, you got the Brewers. No, no, the Brewers aren't doing very well. Now, there's, there's not too much more positive. So I, I wanted to start on a positive note, but now we get into the reality of what is going on in the world. We will be talking about the hearings from last night. I, I watched most of them and have seen you know some of the summaries of them i as i said earlier i'm going to give you my take on this and my guess is there will be people on both sides of the aisle that are dissatisfied with that but that's okay i call them like i see them but let's start with the story that is impacting all of us each and every one of us in a very very meaningful fashion today if you have not been keeping track The stock market, which cratered yesterday, is cratering even worse today as we speak. The Dow Jones Industrial is down 822 points. The Nasdaq down 414. Um, It's just, it is brutal out there. And this follows a string of brutal days. To give you an idea of how bad the stock market has been over the course of the last couple months, uh, let me say, I want to be sure I'm accurate here. The Dow Jones Industrial Average um, is on track for its 10th losing week in the past 11. So 10 out of the last 11 weeks, it's been down. The NASDAQ is on pace for its ninth losing week in 10. To give you an idea, just the first quarter, I don't have the second quarter numbers, but just the first quarter of this year and the second quarter has actually been worse. Americans, that's all of us, lost half a trillion dollars in wealth over the course of the first quarter of the year. And my guess is once we get the numbers from the end of this month for the second quarter, it's going to be equal to that. In other words, if you have money invested in I don't know, the stock market, your 401ks, your IRAs, if you're living on a fixed income and you have this nest egg. Collectively, we have lost half a trillion dollars in the first quarter, and we're on track, I think, probably to lose even more than that the second quarter. Wealth is just disappearing. If you look at your IRAs, your 401k statements, or if you've got brokerage accounts, you're going to notice, even if you've been putting money into them, that money is just kind of disappearing into thin air as the stock market craters. It's, of course, compounded with the problem in that inflation is going nuts, and that's the cause of the drop today. The, the new inflation numbers came out, and a lot of market analysts were hoping that inflation year to year had only increased only, I say that in quotation marks, had only increased by 8.2%. Nope, 8.6%. The highest number in in really 40 years, 
you know that that's and that is year to year. So it's a real double edged sword. If you have assets, you know your nest egg, your nest egg is going down and down and down. On top of that, the cost of things is going up and up and up. 8.6% as inflation runs. Well, it's the worst inflation numbers in, in over 40 years. I mean, Jimmy Carter, we all know the failed presidency of Jimmy Carter and what happened. And then that spilled over a little bit into the first re- year of Reagan or two. And then ultimately Reagan's policies took over and they were ended up bringing down inflation. But I mean, we're, we're going back 40 years before we saw anything like this. Stock market values plunging, which means you have net worth that's just absolutely disappearing and the cost of goods going up and up and up. And we've talked about gasoline. We've talked about food prices and nobody seems to have any idea as to how how bad it is going to get and nobody seems to have any real clue as to what it is to do about it and so that's where we are today just a a brutal economic picture our number is 855-616-1620 that is the acunate mortgage talk and text line inflation hits 8.6 percent in may value of assets held again in stock markets and stuff lost a trillion dollars, half a trillion dollars in the first quarter of this year. And it appears that it is going to get worse before it gets better. Our number is 855-616-1620. How concerned are you about this? And is this, is this starting to affect major lifestyle choices that you are Undertaking 855-616-1620. How much of a worry is this and how is this impacting you? Now, last summer, the Biden administration said nothing to see here. No worries. It's going to be transitory. Now they're, they're backing off on that and they recognize that, you know, they, they, they pretty much gotten this about as wrong as you can possibly get. It's not transitory and it's hitting each and every one of us. And it doesn't matter whether you're wealthy whether you have you know modest nest eggs or whether you're starting out and investing doesn't matter even if you don't have a nest egg because you're the one that's having to again figure out how to live paycheck to paycheck and buy food and groceries how concerned are you about the economy 855-616-1620 we discuss Eight five five six one six one six twenty, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. One of our texters says, "Jeff, look at it this way: If you're young, you could buy stocks at a discount. Well, yeah, but that's assuming you have any money to buy stocks at a discount. As far as people who are investing, yeah, the stock market craters goes down and down and down and down and down. Yeah, yeah, stocks are a little bit cheaper. And yes, if you had disposable income that you didn't have to spend on groceries and gasoline and things like that, and you had enough of a time window, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Then you, you buy stocks and you figure, okay, they're going to go up at some point in time, assuming you have any extra money. That, of course, is the problem for other people who do have and have worked their entire life to accumulate assets. It's really it's a it's a whipsaw because the stock market is plunging. So every day your net worth goes down and yet inflation is running rampant. Eight point six percent, the highest year to year movement in 40 years, eight point six percent inflation. So it's costing you more and more and more. To, to buy the things you need, and there, there's really almost no way to stay even. And that's, of course, you know, part of the problem. Here's one of our texters, Jeff. Maybe the, the, 
the note is sarcasm. Maybe we should keep giving away free money and keep our talks of eliminating college debt. I'm sure that'll really help reduce inflation. That See, that that nails it in one. I understand that there's some things that are going on that are, are beyond the control of of any particular administration. Uh, the, the war in Ukraine is creating supply chain shortages. And, and I understand that's one of the things that's caused driving up prices. But if you want to look back as to where inflation really started appearing, you, you can trace it to April of last year when Biden ram through the $1.9 trillion, in my opinion, unneeded and unnecessary stimulus package, which put all sorts of extra money into the economy. At the same time he was doing that, we were telling people they didn't have to pay their rents. We were telling people that they didn't have to pay their utility bills. We were telling people that they didn't have to pay their student loans. We're still telling people they don't have to pay the student loans long after the problems caused by the pandemic had largely subsided. So you put all this, quote unquote, free money into the economy, you have it spent, and then you couple that with the supply chain shortages and everything else. And is it any wonder that the economy is a mess? And that's why I say I appreciate that there's some things that are beyond the control of this administration. But pretty much every move that Joe Biden has made since he's been in office, at least regard to the economy, at least in my opinion, is absolutely the wrong move. And we're we're seeing this coming out. Um, Jeff, in addition to those factors that you mentioned, uh, my company is also increasing the cost of products to make up for the losses of the fast uh, of the last two years. Inflation isn't the only reason the price of a five pound dog of uh, box of dog food has gone up five dollars. Well, right. Companies are trying to make up for lost profits and companies because. You have so many people that just decided that they weren't going to work. You know, we've had this and they were essentially rewarded or paid for not working. You've had this situation where we're now looking at these rising and increasing costs because in order to get people to go and show up for jobs, you have to pay them more money. And that's one of the the problems that's going on as well. And so... It's all these things that are happening, but particularly, like I say, for for the people who are on fixed incomes, are close to retirement, to simply and who do not have that time to number one make up what they are losing in their investments. Hey, you retire, you get close to retirement, and you think, hey, this is kind of the deal. This this is what my nest egg is going to be, and suddenly your nest egg is down twenty or twenty five percent. At the same time, it's costing you seven eight nine percent more to live that's that is an unsustainable situation moving forward this is jeff wagner eight five five six one six one six twenty let's start with susie susie you're first good afternoon hey jeff Hi, susie. Um, i am actually getting ready to retire in um november and i although i planned very well for my retirement um, I am watching my 403B. Fortunately, I'll have a pension. I'm not going to be living off of my 403B, but I am watching it, and I'm watching it steadily decline, and I'm in close contact with my financial advisor, and um, fingers crossed for, you know, the correction rather than the recession. But um, everything I do right now, I am, you know, I'm watching, you know, 
I have a pretty eco- economical car to drive as far as gas um, consumption, and uh, but I'm watching everything, everything. So yeah, um, it is it is scary. It is scary. And there, there's nothing else really you can do, Susie. I mean that that's that's just sort of the the, the bottom line. I mean you've got to buy your gas, you've got to go get your groceries, and you know for people even if you're close to retirement, you want to find you know an asset mix you're comfortable with, but nevertheless. It's pretty much wherever you are. It's only a question of how much money are are you losing and what is that going to mean if it takes five years or 10 years or 15 years for it all to come back. Right, right. And, and, you know, we've talked about this before, my advisor and I, about, you know, when I had, I was 10 years out from retirement, a lot different than, you know, six months. You know, so, um, but, you know... uh, yeah, right. Yeah. What, can, what can you do? It's, it's out of my control. It is. No, th- thanks for the call. You hope for the best. Lucy on the west side. Lucy, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Hi. Um, just a couple of things. First, you haven't lost a penny unless you have to sell. So when you say people have lost all this money, well, that's on paper. The people who are losing money, and you're right about that, are people who are taking net asset value from their 401ks. If you can possibly do it. It's best to structure things so that you have your dividends and interest payments separate from your principal. So you can try not to have to invade principal. And I understand everybody can't do that. I really do. And I feel for the people who are going through this. On the other hand, we have bear markets. We have recessions. Americans got coddled by thinking that the bull market was going to go on forever. I'm old enough to have lived through a couple of bear markets, and I always knew the party wasn't going to go on forever and sort of tried to plan accordingly how it's affecting me, and I think it's affecting a lot of people, and what is going to bring this inflation down sooner or later is people saying, I'm not buying that big thing right now because i got to keep some cash on the side. And that will eventually, won't be day after tomorrow, that's, that's how you bust inflation, that well, and high interest rates. Yeah, and you hope but that... The high interest rates cause unemployment. Yep, and, and, you, and you hope you can, you hope you can bust inflation without going into a recession, and I guess we'll have to wait and see. Now, thanks right. for call, Lucy. You, you, are, you are right that it's, it, it's kind of, I guess, paper, quote-unquote, paper money, and if you don't need it, that's fine. At the same time, when people make retirement plans... That you, you look at the amount of assets you have, you project a certain growth rate to that. Yes, a, a growth rate. And that tells you whether or not you think you can, yeah, you, you're, you're going to run out of money at 70. You're going to run out of money at 75. You don't have enough money to retire. You're going to run out of money at, at 80. You, you make these various projections. And what's happened over the course of the last four months is it's pretty much thrown all those projections out. And if you're not concerned, well, then you're either really, really rich or, I think, really, really brave. Well, by the way, it doesn't appear that the violent criminals are getting the idea that we're cracking down on shootings. Um, Here's the latest story. Milwaukee man, 18, was fatally shot near 40th and Burleigh last night. Police say the shots were fired at uh, shortly before 8 p.m. Man died at the scene despite life-saving efforts. Investigators are looking into what led to the gunfire. No arrests have been made. Um, on the official 
record, the the Milwaukee crime statistics that are put out by the Milwaukee Police Department, they they list 91 homicides thus far in the the city. I think that's that's a lagging indicator. My guess is we're, we're actually at 93 or 94. There is an over under as to how soon will we reach 100? Will we reach 100 homicides in the city of Milwaukee before or after the end of the month? And of course, at that pace, if we were to, I mean, 200 homicides, it's just almost unthinkable. But I, I, I think most people would say, given the the lack of regard that some people have for lives, it, it would not be surprising that at least before the end of the month, and we're only, we're only a third of the way into the month of June, wouldn't be surprising if we have exceeded 100 homicides before the end of the month. And I guess the problem is that the bad guys just aren't getting the message. Now, here's an interesting story. And there is a dazzling detail that maybe we need to consider. A Milwaukee man who carjacked the owner of a 13-year-old Cadillac Escalade at gunpoint has been sentenced to 19 and a half years in prison. Jack A. Claiborne, 34, was found guilty by a jury in January of carjacking, using a gun during a violent crime, and possessing a firearm as a felon. In July of 2016, um, the victim, who was somebody named Michael Guster, his vehicle was parked in front of his residence on West Hampton Avenue. At about 5 p.m., he moved it into his garage located in the alley behind his house. After stepping out of his vehicle, Guster immediately saw two men, one named Eric Brooker, Booker, the other named uh, Jack Claiborne. Um, they approached with guns in their hands. He did not know either one. Booker then yelled, you know what this is? Um, before Claiborne shot Guster in both legs. So this, they're coming up to carjack this guy. Um, one of them, this Claiborne character, shoots the victim in both legs. Interestingly enough, interestingly enough, Mr. Guster, who was a concealed carry permit holder, reached into his SUV for his pistol. He didn't see Claiborne, but he located Booker, who still had a gun in his hand, and fired two shots. One hit Booker in the chest. The thieves then retreated. Uh, Guster went to find his mother, tell her he'd been shot. He needed help. He was taken to Freighter Hospital. Booker was taken by a third accomplice, Sylvance Brown, to Ascension St. Joseph Hospital, gave the wrong name, and was identified through fingerprints. Uh, the bullet recovered from his chest during surgery was confirmed to be from Guster's gun. So, all right, one of the two guys involved in this, this Jack Claiborne, who apparently has a long criminal record, he just got 19 and a half years in prison. All right, here's the dazzling detail about this. It was 19 and a half years in federal prison. You see, this carjacker and would-be murderer was prosecuted in federal court, and he was caught by the Milwaukee, the FBI's Milwaukee Area Violent Crimes Task force back in the 80s when drug trafficking was running out of control more and more large-scale drug trafficking cases went over to federal court i know because i was the guy in the u.s attorney's office who handled many of them this this is one of the things that i think really needs to happen and that is for more of these career criminals the people with the lengthy records who are involved in the carjackings and things like this, where there would be, you know, some federal jurisdiction. 
The, the trick is they, they need to start getting kicked over to federal court. The federal resources need to come in. You need to identify the worst of the worst. And believe me, in Milwaukee, that is saying something. These cases need to get kicked over to federal court where they are not going to languish for a year or two years in the Milwaukee County court system where they will be prosecuted quickly and if and when almost always when the perpetrators are convicted they're, they're going to get sent off to lengthy sentences so this is one where yeah we you really need the feds to get involved i think in a big way because when you see these type of sentences and you more often than not it's because you know you, you've had the federal courts that have been involved in this so maybe this is a way you know, if Joe Biden was really serious about, you know, wanting to do things to try to, I don't know, make the streets a little bit safer, maybe pouring some more resources into the federal courts and into U.S. attorney's offices to vigorously prosecute the worst of the worst under federal law, get them in the system, get them prosecuted and get them sent to prison so everybody can, in fact, be safer. Just say it. Speaking of Tim Michaels, the um, staff of the Wisconsin Elections Commission recommended that he be allowed to stay on the ballot. You know, there was this, I I think it's a tempest in a teapot uh, um, issue. He he turns in thousands and thousands of nomination signatures, but apparently there's this technicality in state law that says that for nominating papers, if if you live in a municipality that's different from your mailing address, so you live in Thienesville and your mailing address is Mequon on the nominating papers. You're supposed to put both Thienesville and, and Mequon. All right. It, why? I'm still not exactly sure, but that's that's what the rule says. Um, so apparently most of his nominating papers, it had his correct address and it said Shaniqua, um, which is the village that the, the address is in, but it, it didn't also say Heartland. So this is the, the most technical of technicalities. The Elections Commission staff has, has recommended that, of course, the challenges to these otherwise valid signatures be rejected. We'll see what the Elections Commission does, uh, presumably this afternoon. My guess is, even in this partisan world we live with, no, nobody's going to seriously try to keep Michaels off the ballot. And if the election commission does, then this matter is going to go to court and they're going to lose, I think, pretty clearly. All right. So last night was the first of several hearings. Let me share just, just two two texts that I've got about this that just came in a couple minutes ago. Jeff, the January 6th hearing last night was interesting, but seemed like a made-for-TV event. It was highly edited to show only the Democrat narrative. It would be interesting to see a rebuttal event. I personally think the primetime airing and the timing of this is nothing but a ploy to try to get the public thinking about something other than inflation. Hmm. Hmm. Jeff, um... I watched for about 10 minutes, and then I decided to move on. Didn't see that there was anything new here. Um, Jeff, here's an idea. Let's have a primetime special on how we're going to lower our out-of-control gas prices. All right. You get the idea. So any of it, maybe this is because what I do for a living, I, we, I, I've I've covered it. We've talked about the January 6th hearings a lot. Maybe it's because I I like to read things, and I probably read three or four or five books 
on the end of the Trump administration and and that have all covered, you know, what happened on on January 6th. So maybe it's because I've just I'm familiar with this. But I I will tell you, having watched that, I I don't I didn't see anything new that that came out of of these hearings, at, at least yesterday. I mean, yeah, there was some film footage and stuff that previously undisclosed. But as far as as the materials and even listening to Liz Cheney's description of what was going to happen, I, I don't know that I'm hearing anything new that's not already been reported. So, I mean, here here's kind of my takeaway. And bear with me, and then you get a chance to react. And I understand this is something that probably my takeaway is going to irritate people on all sides of the aisle, but that's okay. Okay, this is my takeaway from last night and from everything else that, that's been reported over the last year plus about what happened on January 6th. First of all, Donald Trump is a narcissistic jerk, all right? I don't know that that's a surprise to anybody. Even if you love the Trump administration and think that he was a great president, it's almost impossible to argue that he's a narcissistic jerk. Okay, that's number one. Number two, after the November election, Trump refused to accept the results of the election. And as more and more of his advisors just refused to kind of play into the, this this alternative reality that he was creating, he surrounded himself with a bunch of kooks and enablers. And, you know, Rudy Giuliani was the lead one, but there were all sorts of people because you, you had the folks like Ivanka Trump who, who backed off, who said, look, this, this is... This isn't what you want to hear, but this is what the reality is. But he didn't want to hear that. And, and so he he moved on. If, if you wanted to be of Trump's inner circle, you, you had to tell him what he wanted to hear, which is the election was, in fact, stolen. OK, no question about it. Trump riled up his base with his grievances. I, I don't know that that's. I mean, I I don't know where people were. If that's some sort of surprise, I mean, I can remember him. I mean, I can remember showing up at that event in Georgia where he's supposed to be campaigning for the special in the for the two Republican candidates in the special election, and all he's doing is carrying on about how he was messed over and how the Secretary of State and the Governor of Georgia, you know, just were were part of this conspiracy to both of whom were Republicans, of course, you know, to boot him out of office because they couldn't find all these votes. So, yes, yes, he riled up his base. He did that for the better part of, well, from the election until certainly until January 6th. He was out there kind of in his own alternate reality. All right. Fourth, a group of yahoos and idiots allowed themselves to be riled up by Trump. No question about it. They, they pled into this. This was this, they fed into this sort of hero worship, almost cult-like devotion to Donald Trump, and they allowed themselves to be riled up. Yes, this election is being stolen, et cetera, et cetera. And then they came to Washington, and hundreds of them broke the law for which the vast majority of them are being prosecuted. They're being prosecuted for trespassing, they're being prosecuted for disorderly conduct. In some cases, they are being prosecuted for assaults for the more whacked out of these yahoos who, as they were trespassing, 
and engaging in disorderly conduct, got into you know fights with the Capitol Police and chased the Capitol Police, which was a criminal, which was criminal behavior, and they deserve to be prosecuted. and And yes, they were riled up by Donald Trump. All right, so that that I think is almost undisputable. And then we come back to the notion where I started, which is that 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 Trump is a narcissistic, egotistical jerk who fed into, you know, whose own refusal to want to present, have the orderly transition of power, you know, um, fed into some of these people and and they ended up, you know, storming the, the Capitol. Now, as far as this Somebody sent me a text yesterday saying, "Oh, you're just downplaying this. Don't don't you realize this was this was the day that democracy almost ended. This this was the republic almost ended." To which I guess my response was kind of, well, to take the phrase from the movie Stripes, you know, lighten up, Francis, because if if our democracy is this fragile, we we've got problems. Actually, the just like in Watergate in the seventies, the the system worked. Yes, Donald Trump was trying to do everything he could to hold power. No question about it, and he deserves to be appropriately criticized for that. But at the end of the day, it it worked. And if you can, if the system worked, and if we're in a situation really where, you know, a few hundred yahoos are in a position to, I don't know, just bring down this country. We, we've got we've got bigger sort of problems, which isn't downplaying, you know, what should happen to these yahoos that were out there. Now, as far as the people who think this was treason and this was sedition, well, a handful of of members of what the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers, this this bizarre sort of these white supremacist groups, they they've been charged with sedition, conspiracy to overthrow the government. My instinct is, you know, th- these folks probably couldn't conspire to figure out how to order breakfast together but that's okay you know they, they've been they've been charged and if the government can prove its case beyond a reasonable doubt they deserve to be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law but but that's pretty much you know what what happened if the if the purpose of last night was to show that and these hearings were to show that Donald Trump was a despicable guy who was doing everything he could to hold on to power Okay, I, I'm not sure that that's like a revelation that, that's out there. If the purpose is to suggest that Donald Trump was the the mastermind of some plot to overthrow the government, I, I, I think that's that's really a, a bridge too far. What you had is you had a bunch of people who got worked up by the president and who acted out in a criminal fashion. Beyond that, and and who caused damage and who hurt people and deserve to get prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. But we, we knew all of that. And I guess I, I watched the hearings yesterday and I heard what they said is going to happen. And I don't know that I'm hearing anything that we haven't heard repeatedly over the course of the last 14 months, which does make me wonder what is the real purpose behind this beyond political theater? The people who committed crimes are being prosecuted, and they deserve to be prosecuted. Um, to the extent you want to look at Trump's involvement, that that's fine, but I think we know what Trump's involvement was. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Your reaction to what you heard last night. 
Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Our number, 855-616-1620. Let, let us reset. Okay, so I watched the, I watched the, the hearings, you know, yesterday. They really weren't hearings. It was a, it was, it was, I, I would describe it as political theater. It was this orchestrated sort of dog and, and pony show that was out there. And, and maybe, Maybe it's just because I, I've read several books that were written about the end of the Trump administration, and you know I've watched a lot of the coverage, but I, I really didn't see any materially new ground that was plowed. As I said, look, there, there's no question that you know Trump refused to accept the election results, surrounded himself with a bunch of kooks and enablers that fed into this sort of fantasy. There's no question that Donald Trump took extraordinary, arguably extraordinary matters to to try to, you know, stay in power, including to try to rile up some of of his supporters with with his various grievances. And that, that clearly happened. I don't know that that's any sort of new thing. If you watch the stuff he did, like I was saying, the rallies that he conducted that were supposed to be to help elect uh, Republicans in Georgia, all, all, it was all about me, 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 and I'm getting shafted. And that's pretty much the attitude that he has maintained since then, despite the fact that most objective evidence and every court review that's been conducted, you know, says no. So if the purpose of this was to show that Donald Trump was kind of a, a despicable, narcissistic person who was obsessed with trying to retain power. I, I don't know that we're breaking any ground there. The other thing that cannot be disputed is that you had a group of idiots, I'm calling them yahoos, who came to Washington, many of whom were inspired. We're, they were upset because they bought into this narrative that former President Trump w- was putting out, and a number of them, not thousands, but but hundreds, just decided to to storm the Capitol. Now, I do not believe that the vast majority of these people were 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 had had planned a coup. It was just kind of like the, this mob reaction. Oh, we're going to go into the Capitol. I mean, do, do you really think like the guy in the buffalo hide with the horns and stuff? I mean, does he look like somebody that's planning a, a coup? No, but that that's not in any way, shape, or form minimizing their misconduct. And and that's why you've seen about eight hundred or so people who've been charged, and they've been charged with mostly misdemeanors, trespassing. Um, in some cases, disorderly conduct, and in some more cases, you know, a serious, more serious stuff like assaultive behavior, like attacking the the Capitol Police, which is unexcusable, and the people that need to do that need to need to go to prison. They need to go to prison for a long time. But was somebody was saying saying this? They sent this text. Oh, this was an attack on democracy. It's it's a miracle that the republic survived. Now, if the republic couldn't survive a bunch of these yahoos that the republic's in more danger now i understand that there's some charges of more serious charges of sedition conspiracy to overthrow the government that's brought against some of these fringe groups a handful of members of the proud boy the oath keepers and the proud boys and the court system will sort that out I, i personally find it difficult to believe that that these people could conspire, as I was saying, is to figure out how to order breakfast, much less anything else. But if there was really this orchestrated plan, I, I don't think they shared it with many people, and and I don't think there's a 
the smoking gun, which says that, you know, Donald Trump was in on these meetings. It was just a bunch of people that got inspired by Trump's rhetoric and behaved in an over-the-top fashion. But again, if they did that, they deserve to be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. But, but all this stuff was known, which makes me say, okay, what, what is the real purpose of this? Is this, is this political theater or, or what? Somebody's saying, well, maybe it's to encourage the Justice Department to, to prosecute Trump for whatever. Well, okay, the Justice Department doesn't need congressional hearings to do that. If they've got evidence to believe that he's committed a crime, then they should bring charges against him if they think they, they could prove it. So I, I kind of watched this and I said, okay, I, I understand this, and I'm going to be the last one that defends the behavior of the idiots that stormed the Capitol or defends the, the behavior of President Trump and some of his rhetoric after the, the November election. And it's very, very clear to me that, you know, he surrounded himself with these enablers and, you know, only heard what he wanted to hear. And it's one of the reasons that I say repeatedly that politically for the Republicans, I think Trump needs to go away. Having said that, though, you know, is there anything more than that that's going to come out of these hearings? 855-616-1620. Let's start with Tom in Illinois. Tom, you're first. Hello. Hello. Hi, Tom. Uh, Thanks. How are you? Good. Thanks for waiting. Um, um, I'm in complete agreement of your characterization of Trump and also of the people that were involved in this. He certainly did bless their riotous activity. Uh, But I do think that the... The Democrats are being a little bit disingenuous in sticking the finger in the base of the very, uh, let's say, the base of the base of the Republicans here, because it's they're an easy target and there's no political fallout when there's riots going on in the cities and there's criminal conduct that's going on where stores are being looted. But in the cities, which is the base of the of the Democratic base, then there's there's just far less of a of activity on their part in order to show indignation or to try to to put an end to it. I just I just feel that there that that needs to get more attention than it's getting. And um, uh, this dog and pony show that went on last night was something that um, it, it it just it, it just didn't ring true to me. Good. Well, thanks for the call, Tom. I mean, again, I, I understand there's a lot of people who are, are drawing parallels between the attack on the Capitol and some of the various riots that occurred. I, I, I guess I, I, I see these things as independent type of, of situations. And right in the very same respect, the stuff, for example, there was a guy who got just got yesterday, I think, a three year sentence for an arson involved in Kenosha. And, and that's that's what the criminal justice system is. You know, four. Now I have somebody say, "Well, didn't you see there, there? There was a new, there was a new video they showed." Yeah, I saw the new video, but it. My point is, it, it doesn't, it doesn't move the needle. It's not like it's some dramatic new revelation. Well, didn't you hear what Liz Cheney said? Yeah, I heard what Liz Cheney said. Liz Cheney has been saying stuff like this, you know. And, and God bless her; she's entitled to her opinion, and I, I understand where she's where she's coming from, and th- this is the role that she set out. But my point is, as far as as new evidence, I mean, is there anything that was in there that was really surprising in any material fact? I mean, yes, okay, I didn't know that the that the kids, I didn't know that Ivanka had said you should go along and agree with, you know, the Attorney General. But we all knew 
that Trump's circle, his inner circle, as the as we move further and further from the election, got smaller and smaller. And we, we know, well, to this day, he continues to make the argument, an argument that he's lost in court dozens and dozens and dozens of times, that the election was, in fact, stolen. But is that... Is that materially new? Does that change the narrative? There was there's something that happens that oh, this really changes my view of it. No, and my answer would be, my my answer would be no to to that. And and again, I I I'm not gonna I'm gonna be the last one to defend the, these idiots that, that storm the count the the, the Capitol and they deserve to be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. And Donald Trump did not cover himself with glory. I'm sorry, no matter how you view this. There's no question that his behavior incited a portion of his base and, you know, several hundred members of his base acted out in an illegal fashion. Now, if this if this was really a a planned coup that they were going to try to take over the government, well, it, it was it was not. It was not a, a coup that, that ended up getting very far. And like I say, the guy in the buffalo hide with the horns, I mean, th- does he really look like he's doing a, that th- he's capable of, a, of a coup? There were a bunch of yahoos who behaved in a criminal fashion. And if some of them really did agree and conspire together and had some master plan, they deserve to be prosecuted. But th- does anybody really think that that, in, in the light of day, Actually, the system worked as it was supposed to work. They stormed the Capitol. The important people are protected. They come back. They do the right thing. Arrests are made. And d- democracy you know, moves on. And so it seems to me that the real purpose of this is to show that Donald Trump was a bad guy or Donald Trump was irresponsible. And and that's that's fine if, if that's the, the purpose. But is there a larger point beyond that, and is there information that we we don't know? And if the purpose is to try to force the Justice Department to charge Donald Trump with Trump with a crime, oh, okay, then let's say that that's what it is, and let the Justice Department make the decision. Don, Don, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Uh, hi, Jeff. I, I I just can't believe that you dismiss this whole thing as nothing too important. Nothing was going to happen. We came uh, very, very close to having the whole government tossed out of office. One, one. Uh, Why do you say that? Person might say Pence. Well, what, what if they again? They didn't get to there, but yep. what if they would have killed Pence? But they didn't. And what if they would have killed Nancy Pelosi? But, but they didn't. They, and did. we, but they but didn't, and we don't know that anybody really intended to do that. But they, they, they oh, didn't. Come on. I mean, they're chanting "Hang Pence, Hang Pence." Yeah, I, I, you, you just kind of dismiss them as as, as, as nothing. No, I don't it's dismiss them as nothing. I'm saying that any I'm saying that I'm anybody so that did this needs to be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law and be held accountable. How is that saying that they did nothing? I just don't think that the, the republic was in as much danger as you appear to think it was. But well, I think it was much more. Okay, and, but and, but what purpose? You know, okay, what comes out of yesterday's hearing then? What's the purpose of the hearings? We got much more uh, timeline of what's going on. We heard much more things about what Trump was doing and what some of his cronies and enablers were doing. Uh, it's, 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 it's much clearer to a lot of people. And, and, and let me just say this. You know, I'm still angry about that. My father was fought in World War II. I'm glad he's not here to see what happened that day. He would have been just astounded if something like that could happen in, in this country. Okay. Well, I, 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 and, and nobody, 
Nobody is endorsing that. At least I'm certainly not endorsing that. And that's why I keep saying the people who did this deserve to be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Having said that, if you don't think what was going on was, in many respects, sort of political theater, I, I mean, point to me what materially new things. You say, well, there's a better idea of the timeline. I, I, I don't know. I think unless you haven't been following this at all, you know what the timeline was that was here. Now, maybe when they get into was there any sort of planning, I guess, you know, that's that would come out at a trial of some of these people. But otherwise, it was Yahoo's who acted out in an illegal fashion who deserve to be prosecuted but let's face it the vast majority of those people who were committing crimes and wandering through the capital they, they weren't there to overthrow the government they were part of this mob and they're wandering around they're taking selfies themselves in the capital which is criminal some people attacked the capital guards that is criminal they deserve to be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law but this well you know they could have taken over the seats of government yeah, well maybe but they didn't they, they, they just didn't. And was there really a plan to take over the seats of government by most of the people that came in there or by people that didn't? Well, at least so far, that hasn't emerged. If the purpose is to say that Donald Trump is a bad guy and Donald Trump fed fed the, I don't know, appetites of these, these people who believed in him in, in like sort of a cult-like fashion. Yeah, I, I understand, and, and I think that's probably what happened, and a lot of them are probably really sorry that they bought into a lot of the stuff that was being sold. Oh, okay, that, that's, that's fine. What comes out of this, other than Donald Trump is a bad guy and people shouldn't vote for him if he runs in 2024? If you're a regular listener to this show, I, I'm one of these people that wants to see Trump go away. Um, I, I I think that the Republican Party needs to move on. And as I've said repeatedly, I think Trump's behavior, certainly after the election and refusing to accept the results and the court decisions, and then a lot of the stuff that he did to inspire th- this group of people who then stormed the Capitol, yeah, I think he bears some responsibility for it. Jeff, I think a lot of people don't fully appreciate the power of voters. A small band of criminals could do anything in D.C., and we would overcome their actions. The election reflects our intent to have a peaceful transition. The opinions of a few don't represent all, even if they want to question the results. A peaceful transition doesn't mean you have to keep your mouth shut um, and accept it. It means the process needs to be followed without force. Well, that that's it. If See, in many respects, I think what happened on January 6th was a lot like what happened during the Watergate hearings. And in some cases, you, you can argue that what former President Nixon did during Watergate, where he really tried to use the mechanisms of government to, again, stay in power and, and thwart investigations, you, you can even argue that that was worse. And I'm not I'm not defending Trump's behavior here a, at all. I, I, I'm not. But the the republic survived, just like the republic survived January sixth. And uh, is it? Do we want to call out the you know eight hundred people who wandered into the Capitol, some of whom attacked police, others of whom wandered around taking selfies of themselves? A- absolutely, they need to be held accountable. Should Trump be? Uh, identified for his inflammatory remarks and his refusal to take the advice of people like his daughter and the advice of people like Bill Barr, the attorney general, where he said that where they told him, look, that this election is over. Yeah, I mean, that reflects on Donald Trump as, as an individual. OK, that that's fine. Beyond that, what do we expect the hearings to accomplish? Devin in Madison, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Yeah, hi, Jeff. 
So I'm, I kind of agree with that last caller that was challenging on the, on the breadth of what's really, what's really being shown here, um, where you, you know, read up about it, you know, the whole breadth of the story. You gotta, you gotta remember that a lot of people are not like you and me, where we're totally involved with the news every day. You just see a little snippet. This is important for the whole country to see as a compiled, um, presentation you know you know in this day and age it's all about optics and mm-hmm. when you see bill barr when you see ivanka telling the telling on camera yeah we didn't we didn't agree with this but donald trump went ahead with it anyway um okay, so work I, with I me what's the next step important. what so what's the next step then Devin? what what does this what what does this lead to? And uh, okay, so you, you show Bill Barr saying that you show Ivanka Trump saying that. Wh- where do we go from here? Other than Donald Trump is a despicable person who refused to accept, you know, the, the the reality of the situation. What beyond that comes from this? So even though there was only thousands of people at the at the at the Washington D.C. at the time, and maybe a couple hundred actually were violent. You still have thousands of people across the country that that still believe in that. So just because they weren't there doesn't mean that their number isn't a large number. So at, at least at least put it out there so people can make a little bit more of a better decision on what they're really voting for. If the Republican Party is still you know behind the Trumpisms, then that's just going to continue on. It, it might not happen with Donald Trump, but you've got other people that. That that might take the lead on that. You, so it is political theater. Not political theater, but with any congressional investigation, you have to show to the the public, just like with nine eleven, you have to show to the public what the findings were, so that they can make their decision. Okay, thanks for call. I guess I I, I mean again, I don't know. I don't know that there's any new ground being plowed by by this. And and maybe during the course of the next six hearings, it it all seemed to be pretty much stuff that's already been been out there and reported on multiple occasions. My one curiosity is, you know, what what they have with the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers as far as as their 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 did they in fact have meetings and and did this group have a, a conspiracy to try to you know take over the capital if if they did it wasn't going to get very far but in any event i i don't know what the ratings were for last night i guess we'll know that in a little bit it was on all these different networks my guess is the the number of people watching will decrease over time and i don't know that it's going to change anybody's opinions for me again what what happened was absolutely wrong the people who did it need to be prosecuted donald trump did not cover himself in glory and clearly incited that by his language i don't know is there a larger truth than that i guess time will tell mike spalding my favorite text of the day after we've just had this conversation about these things and and the, the feedback is, is split literally 50 50 between oh this is nothing but uh, a sideshow that the democrats are, are trying to do to distract from the failures of the biden administration the other half say don't you realize that we were just a hair's breadth away from having a coup and the democracy was going to die and but there, there's no middle ground on on this at all and candidly I, i've been trying to carve out what i think is is really there is a middle ground here one of our texters says i could not do your job, Jeff. <laughs> which, that's good for you. Good news for you. Which, which I respond, I said, that's why I get the big bucks, I guess. <laughs> uh, 
So glad to have you. Text. If January 6th was a nothing burger, as you suggest, why were sitting members of Congress asking for pardons? I, when, when did I use the word nothing burger? I'm, I, I'm saying, okay, the former president of the United States behaved in an irresponsible and reckless fashion that I think probably disqualifies him for running for office again. The people that stormed the Capitol deserve to be criminally charged. They are being criminally charged. They're going to be prosecuted for the various offenses. That, to me, isn't saying that it's it's a nothing burger. I'm just saying that, you know, what's the purpose of these hearings beyond political theater? And having watched and heard the summary, I, I don't believe that there's really any new ground that's being plowed. Yes, it, you, there's new videotapes that show different angles on the stuff that we all saw. And yeah, the, the Capitol Police officer's got a very compelling story. And what happened to her was absolutely wrong. And the people that stormed the Capitol, like I say, that's why they need to be prosecuted for the crimes that they committed. That's far from saying that it's a it's a nothing burger. That would be like saying the riots in Kenosha that burned that down was a nothing burger. That, that wasn't. That was a big deal. What happened at the Capitol was a big deal as well. But, you know, what what are the purposes of these primetime hearings? Is it really to uncover something or is it political theater? And here's the other reality. I don't think it's going to change anybody's minds. I mean, I think people are pretty much kind of dug in on, on how they feel about all this. Just my take. All right. We are going to lighten it up in the 2 o'clock hour of the program. I Again, I'm, I'm sort of frustrated today because normally on Fridays I want to talk about like lighter things, get you into the weekend in a good mood. But the January 6th hearings are important and inflation, of course, is important. And this is important as well. It is now coming out that in Uvalde, Texas, where you had the the gunman on on May 24th who went into the classroom and you had law enforcement who waited over an hour until Border Patrol people could get there with the, the shields and things like that. They waited over an hour. Initially, the story that was being told is they did not think it was an active shooter situation. By that, I mean they thought that the guy had barricaded himself in a room, and they thought this was at least the initial story that came out. And they thought that, okay, the, the kids weren't in danger anymore because if he killed kids, he'd, he'd already killed them. They were dead. That is, is now turning out to be an untruth. Um Here's here's the story as reported in the New York Times and other places as well. Heavily armed officers delayed confronting a gunman in Uvalde, Texas, for more than an hour, even though supervisors at the scene had been told that some trapped with him in two elementary school classrooms needed medical attention. In other words, they weren't all dead. A new review of video footage and other investigative materials show. Instead, the documents show they waited for protective equipment to lower the risk to law enforcement officers. The school district police chief, who was leading the response to the May 24th shooting, appeared to be agonizing over the length of time it was taking to secure the shields that would help protect officers when they entered and to find a key for the classroom doors, according to the documents the chief 
and others at the scene became aware that not everyone inside the classrooms were already dead, the document showed, including a report from a school district police officer whose wife, a teacher, had spoken to him by phone from one of the two classrooms to say she had been shot. More than a dozen of the 33 children and three teachers originally in the two classrooms remained alive during the one hour and 17 minutes from the time the shooting began inside the classroom to when four officers ultimately made entry. By that time, 60 officers had assembled on the scene. Our number, 855-616-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This is outrageous, and this is unacceptable. Now, let me, let me kind of back into this, this topic. Uh, last week, a friend of mine comes over and says, I've been wanting to talk to you about something. And that, that's always that, that's always a good sign, and it's a bad sign. And I want to talk to you about something. And, and his wife kind of rolls his eyes, and here, here it goes. But clearly, he, he, has, he has a position on something, and he wants to discuss it and see if I support it or not. And he said, okay, so here's the deal. You, you've got a guy with a high-powered rifle who's in this room, and the police don't have all the, the shields and the stuff they need. Is it reasonable to expect them to risk their lives by trying to storm the room before they have everything? And I, clearly I can tell by the way my friend is asking these questions that he, he doesn't think he doesn't think it's reasonable to expect you know people to run in and put their lives at risk. I said, I'm sorry, I completely disagree with you, but that's that's like saying, okay, firefighters come across a, a building and it's engulfed in flames. Um, are, are you going to are you going to run in and are you going to try to get the people that are still alive out of that building, or are you going to wait till the the water truck pump trucks have have put the fire out completely? Well, no, you're you're going in and you're going to try to get them out. In this particular situation, I, I was always having trouble believing that, that they didn't really believe that there weren't some people that were alive in that building. But to me, I guess it's clear, and, and this is this is part of parcel of what comes with being a law enforcement officer. But yes, I understand you don't exactly know what you're dealing with. But you've got kids that are involved. You've got teachers that are involved. It is a school situation. And, and yes, it's an active shooting situation. And yeah, I think you got to say, guys and gals, all right. Here, here's the deal: we we've got to go in and we've got to take this guy out. And, and you know, we want to be as careful as possible. But yeah, it, it's going to be it, it's going to be a risk, and, and a couple more people might get shot. That that's. But isn't that what you've signed up for when you're a police officer? I just don't think you can say, okay, we're going to sit here and we're going to let this go on and on for an hour or an hour and a half or however long it, take, long it takes for us to, to get the SWAT team here. You've got 20, 30, 40 officers. You've got to storm that building as soon as possible, don't you? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. To me, it's... It's it's just what being protecting and serving is all about. It's just like on nine eleven, you have the police, you have the fire to fight firefighters, you have the first responders. They're they're running into that building to try to get people out. They're not saying, well, let's wait and see what happens, and let's wait till we get the engineers and see if we can you know firm up the building. They're going in to try to save lives. Isn't that what the police in Texas should have been allowed to do? by their superiors. 855-616-1620. We discuss. 
855-616-1620. Jeff, I'm a former law enforcement officer. When I took the oath, I knew that one day I might have to engage an active shooter and be the first one on the scene. I would have put my life on the line to save others, but that was what I signed up for. And at the end of the day, that is what I ended up having to do. Um, yeah, Jeff, Marines are trained to respond to gunfire. The real question is who gave the order to wait? Well, it was the order. It was the, the, the commander on, on scene who, who said that, um, Jeff, I thought 19 good guys with a gun stop one bad guy with a gun. Now they're probably being a little facetious with that, but that, I mean, that, that, that's the idea. You had, you had dozens of police officers who were on the scene, um, that are in that, situation um 855-616-1620 chris in cedarburg chris you're on wtmj hi how are you good what do you think um i agree with you you know it it it's whatever situation it is it's unfortunate but by going in it may give um the children or medical um personnel or if someone's in a factory get the chance to get out if the door is open, maybe they can get out, mm-hmm. make a move, that type of thing. Though there is a risk, but, you know, with those people, professional people there who are there to protect us, like you said, they know what they signed up for. And if that door is open, it gives a chance for people to get out or, you know, get a different hiding place. Or, or, or kids or people who know, need medical um, treatment to get that treatment, exactly. you know, the people who are injured. And, and look, and I, I under... I understand, but it, it, it seems very clear that the commanders made the decision that their first priority was going to protect the police officers, you know, making sure, okay, we want to make sure we've got the SWAT team with the protective shields, so we'll be willing to wait over an hour before we, we take aggressive action. And I guess, to me, it's like, you, you got to storm the place, understanding that there's going to be a risk. You, you just you can't let a guy be in a room with 30-some kids, a bunch of whom are dead, and some who might need medical treatment. You just you just can't let that go on. Right. And I think the medical treatment, that's the key that, you know, if, they've, if they're on the ground for an hour and a half or two hours or an hour, like they said, you know, they may be bleeding out. It's out, It's over, you yeah. know, but if, if those people could have got in there, they could have, you know, possibly got the, the help that they needed and gotten those kids out or factory workers out or, you know, wherever this takes place. Yeah. No, thanks. For calling. I, I, I guess I'm 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 with you and I, I appreciate that that's that's a lot to ask. OK, we, we've got a guy with a high powered rifle who's in the shooting situation and, and you know, we, we don't have the protective shields or things like that. But that's the kind of stuff that that police officers deal with on on, a, on an almost daily basis. You know, somebody was you know texting me about you know remember the officer that you know was involved in confronting the active shooter at the Sikh Temple shooting a number of years back in Oak Creek. Yeah, I, I do. This was an officer who who understood you had a dangerous situation and you know ends up getting into into a gun battle and sustaining you know serious injuries as a result of that. And and nobody wants to do that. But at least see even in this situation. You you had you had an active shooter, but you had dozens of police officers. I'm, we're not even saying okay. There's only one person on the scene, and we're expecting that person to you know run in the line of fire. You would have thought that there was there would be other ways that you could try to affect entry and ways that you could approach this. Jeff, I work as an EMT in Madison and Milwaukee. My partners and I rely on police to secure a scene requiring law enforcement presence prior to entering a scene and rendering care to the injured. The police, especially in Milwaukee. 
Milwaukee keep us not only safe, but also they keep the injured safe so that the EMS can enter, provide care, and get those injured to a hospital. An almost 90-minute response time in this situation is something that I have never encountered in all my time in emergency medicine. Our response time, even in gunshot wound victims, has been swift and steadily never over three or four minutes of wait time. Yeah, that's that's what's just mind boggling to me about this entire situation. And 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 I think the the other thing is the the fact that you've had the changing stories uh, about this. The uh, originally, well, you know, we didn't think it was an active shooting situation. We thought that you know he, he had done all the carnage, and so there wasn't any continuing risk to people. Well, it, it now turns out number one that not only was that not true but that the commanders on the scene knew it was not true at the time. And my guess, if you polled, the, the, let's say that the, the first 20 police officers that were on the scene, the first 10 police officers on the scene, about, you know, would you have, even understanding that you didn't have the bulletproof shields and stuff like that, were you ready to rush that building rush that room, get in and try to take out the shooter and save whoever might else have been there. My guess is 9 out of 10 or all 10 out of 10 or 20 out of 20 or 30 or 30 out on the scene would have said, let's go. And I think it was pretty much the boss that held them up saying, no, let's wait till we're safe. Well, in that case, you know, what's the point of emergency response if you're not going to respond until you're sure that the police can be safe. And I'm not encouraging people to be reckless, but my goodness, this this was not a good thing. And the, the more information that comes out, the, just when you thought it, it couldn't get any worse. And look, and I don't know that this changes the dynamic any. I, I mean, I don't know if they had if they had rushed the place, would that have resulted in, I don't know, fewer children dying? You know, could it have potentially made it worse? Yeah, it could have. I, and I understand all that. And you don't mean to be too much of a Monday morning quarterback, but they made the conscious decision to put the protection of the police officers ahead of getting the shooter ferreted out and, again, trying to get in and rescue the people. And that, to me, is just ultimately unacceptable. And my guess is most police officers would tell you that that is unacceptable. All right, we are going to lighten it up in the 2 o'clock hour, I promise. Stick around. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the program. Pop Culture Corner coming up at the bottom of the hour. Brought to you by Palermo's Pizza. Had one of those last night. Pretty darn good. All right. I need some advice. And I need, I'm need. i trying to figure out whether this is a common reaction or, or not. It has been a long time since I graduated from high school. But my recollection of graduating from high school is that my 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 parents, mom and dad, were were just. I think they were probably glad that I got through high school. But I don't remember it being a, a particularly sort of traumatic uh, event at, at all. As a matter of fact, I I just maybe my mom was a little bit weepy when I went away to college. But I, I just I, I don't remember it. So anyway, here, so here's the story. I have four wonderful grandchildren. My I have two stepdaughters who each have have two children. Um, one is in eighth grade, two are sophomores in high school, and one is a senior in high school, which brings me to my story. And they're all wonderful kids. I, I enjoy each and every one of them. They all have different, unique personalities, and they have welcomed me to the family and embraced me. And it's it's it, it's a lot of it, it's a fun. I enjoy them all. So here is the story. Um, tonight 
I'm going to a high school graduation because the oldest grandchild is graduating from high school. It's really kind of interesting because today's like the last day of school and they have the graduation ceremony at night. And so we're all kind of watching the weather because it's supposed to be outside at the high school football stadium. And if it rains, then it gets moved inside. And the problem is if it gets moved inside, there, you can only have like four people and there's going to be... Which, which ultimately means that I, I don't think I'm going to make the cut. I understand. There's other people that are going to get it, and that's okay. I'm, I'm cool with that. But so, and, and our, our oldest granddaughter, Gracie, is a wonderful, wonderful young lady, and she's going to be a nurse, and she's going away to college in the fall for, and she's been accepted in nursing school, and, and she's just, just really a wonderful, wonderful child. There's, and, and I say that sincerely. So here, here is the deal. Over the course of the last week or two, like, for example, uh, our grandson, his 16th birthday was on Wednesday, and we went out, and I was kind of talking to my stepdaughter, his mom, and I was saying, well, how, how, are, how are you dealing with this graduation? And his mom um, is saying, oh, it's just, I, I've been a wreck. I'm, I'm crying for these different things. And, and so, okay, I'm just, it's just kind of like traumatic. And, you know, you're, you're happy for your kid, but you're still, oh, it's, you know, they're, I, I can't believe that they're 18 years old and they're, you know, getting ready to be an adult. So th- this morning, now my, my wife occasionally, and maybe it explains being married to me, you know, she's occasionally a little bit weepy. So this morning, I, I, I'm getting ready for work, and the deal is, as soon as I get done with the show, I got to blast out of here because I got to pick her up, and we're all going out to dinner beforehand. So, I am dressed in a fashion. I am dressed to go to a high school graduation, not like I would normally be dressed to come to work on a Friday. So, I'm in my sport coat, and I've got my, my tie and all that stuff, and I walk out, and and, and Fran says, "Oh, you're 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 dressed." I said, "Well, no, we're not going to have time, so this is what I'm going to wear to the graduation." And she's like, "Oh, that's right, Gracie is graduating," and she starts to get a little weep. I can't believe. My granddaughter is 18. And and so it, it, it's sort of interesting because I, I just I don't remember. My, maybe my mom was a little bit like weepy like that, too. But and again, they're just these are wonderful kids and stuff. But I, I'm wondering like, like what this this sort of reaction is, because from a guy's perspective, I, I'm. And I don't know. I'm going to have to ask, you know, my my stepson about this. About, you know, do, do you know, do you get all choked up about this too? Our number is eight five five six one six one six twenty. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. For the many of you out there that have had your children and or your grandchildren that have hit this this monument, this the, it's high school graduation. Right. What what is the appropriate reaction to it? Is it is it is it tears? And obviously, it's like tears of joy. I mean, I, I get all that sort of thing. But is it a cause for celebration, or is it? Oh, I I can't believe I can't believe it's been eighteen years and things like that. Are there tears? And if so, are they tears of joy? Eight five five six one six one six twenty. How are we to react at these various high school graduations? 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And it's, I mean, I'm trying to think because when, I mean, I don't have children, you know, myself. I, when my niece, who I was very, very close to, when, you know, she graduated from high school, she went to Pewaukee High School. And I can remember sitting in that gymnasium and I, I was just kind of taking it in and I was just very, very proud of her. But I, I do, I, I mean, I did notice that there were some people who were being a little bit weepy uh, about this. 855-616-1620. How do we react at high school graduations? And, you know, obviously it's a moment of deep pride, but, you know, what is the emotion? 
855-616-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff, my mom stood up at my freshman orientation at college and cheered that she was free. <laughs> no tears there. Free at last, free at last. Let's talk to uh, Sarah. Sarah, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. How are you? I am well, thank you calling very much. Beautiful, calling from beautiful Door County. Outstanding. Um, you know, yeah, it's nice. I live up here. Um, you know, when I, now this will be my 50th high school reunion this summer, which I will not attend because high school was just insignificant as far as I was concerned. But it was funny because it was, now my parents never said that to me, but my parents were both teachers college-educated people, and they always felt that high school was just a mere stepping stone. When you graduate from college, we'll have something to celebrate. (laughs) 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 My parents parents didn't, an aunt had come to visit them at that point of time from Florida. And and I said to my mom, I, I said, please, you don't have to go to graduation. I don't care. And she said, well, would you mind if we didn't? And I said, absolutely not. <laughs> so I can remember wearing my cutoffs and my platform shoes under my gown and kind of skipping across the stage and getting my silly diploma and, you know, departing. Well, my son didn't even go to graduation. I mean, and I never betrayed any of those feelings to him. Uh-huh. But he was also on, he was also college-bound, and I knew that. But, you know, it's funny that, People still get emotional, I guess, about high school because it just seems like. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's a step, but I think you know things. Are, I mean, Sarah, I think part of what it is is it's that that transition. Even though you're going on to school, it's like okay, this is it's kind of like this is the end of a particular era, and after this summer, you know, you're you're. You're 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 going away, going away to school, and it's going to be different. You know, it's going to be okay. You're going to be going to the dorms or whatever. I think it, I get that, Jeff. I rode a bi- motorcycle all over the country for years. I'm no wimp. I went to my granddaughter's graduation two weeks ago, and I was weepy. I couldn't believe that 18 years went by so fast. Um, Yes, Jeff, I was proud to see my daughter graduate, but then I got to thinking it's going to cost me a lot of money now to put her into college. Jeff, our oldest is graduating high school on Sunday. We have four. The youngest just finished first grade. I'm sad. I'm sad that we won't get to enjoy having our 17-year-old around anymore under our wings. I've enjoyed every single moment with her. I'm trying to look forward to living vicariously, within reason, through her accomplishments in the future. I feel this way about the others as well. I'm not looking forward to them growing up, but I know it must happen. Well, my guess is if it's tough on the first one, can, can you imagine by the time the last the last one is, you know, going to fly the nest? Jeff, high school graduation was a given for me and my siblings, as well as for my own child. I'm not sure it was that much of accomplishment, but more of a rite of passage. Well, I mean, it, it is a rite of passage. I um, I, I get that. Um, I guess it's kind of curious. I am going to be kind of curious to see how people are, in fact, um, reacting. Jeff, as a mom to seven and a grandma to 16, it is tears of joy and pride at the high school and college graduations. My granddaughter graduates tomorrow from Wauwatosa West High School. Um, Jeff, I had two granddaughter graduations this year. It was the same thing with the moms. And then my other granddaughter graduated from fifth grade to all 
almost the same pomp and circumstances. Call me old, but my graduation was not such a big deal, and it was followed with four years in the service. Yeah, I, I will I will say that. I've been to, gosh, what, what, what for my nephew last year, he graduated, or they call it a promotion ceremony. He was promoted from 8th grade to, to ninth grade, and they had this big ceremony, and, and every, these kids were having parties, and they were taking pictures and stuff. I, I, I do admit that that, I, I don't think that that was particularly an emotional sort of thing, because um, we, we all expected that, you know, Alex was going to make it from 8th to ninth grade. When he graduates from high school, maybe that'll be a different thing. Mike in Illinois. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. How are you? Good. What do you think? So I didn't care one bit about when I graduated high school. I didn't feel any emotion <laughs> or anything like that. But uh, my daughter graduated three years ago, and um, yeah, there's I got I had both feelings of, of being proud um, and sad. I mean, because you know things were changing. You know, she was moving on, and um, you know that's not easy. I think. You know, maybe for a dad with a daughter, especially. Yeah. So uh, anyway, that's that's all I had to say. No, I I appreciate it. I'm going to be curious to see how my uh, stepson reacts uh, today. Jeff, here's a text. You are such a guy. I laugh and shake my head. As a woman and a mom, this is a huge beginning to your empty nest. It's saying goodbye to all those years where you get to hold her hand. I'm bawling just thinking about it. And my kiddos, 10. You can be happy for your child and grieve at the end of the season at the most important time of your life. That's from Laura. I Well, it, it, it is. I am one of the things I'm I'm hoping like the rain holds off so I can be in the in the football stands because I, I am I, I think I am interested in not only like applauding you know when the various kids and I, I do get that it's kind of the end of an era because you you know th- these are especially from the perspective of the parents in, in many respects you're going to see kids graduate that you've you you know I mean you've been in the same school district for you know most if not all the kids life so you know the parents you know a lot of the kids that are graduating and you know and so you understand that this is going to be the last time they're together so i i get the emotions of i I get the emotions of this now some people are i'm getting a bunch of texts from people who are downplaying high school graduation but again i it's not so much hey you got through high school I, i mean i think for lots of people that's kind of an expectation but it is more the the change it's just a, it's a it's in some respects the way to put it is it's an end of an era and it it affects it, it affects your 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 life whether you're the grandparents and you know the child's going away to college so they're they're not they're not going to always be around i suspect some people if they're listening to me now are tearing up over that right they're not always going to be around or certainly for mom and dad you know now you've got that that spare bedroom and i guess the question is how soon do you turn it into the office or how soon do you turn it into the exercise room or 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 do you keep it it was all those different sort of things my my parents they kept my bedroom they kept my bedroom as a bedroom i think through at least the first couple, the first couple years of college. After that, by the time I hit law school and stuff, boom, it was it was mom's sewing room or whatever, and that's um, you know that's that's fine. Uh, there's no question about it. Um, 
<laughs> That's Jeff. One of our texts is saying, Jeff, my, my son was um, like frantic the last week trying to get everything he needed done so he could make sure he would graduate. Yeah, I think there's um, that. Jeff, for me, it was two sentiments, joy and nostalgia. On the one hand, a sense of relief on the other. Jeff, for me, it was no crying till the kids got married. Then I bawled. All right. However you react to it, I know a lot of people are going to be going through this because uh, this weekend and next weekend is where you're going to be seeing a lot of high school graduations. And however you react, congratulations, whether it's it's friend, it's kids of friends or whether it's your kids or whether it's your grandkids or your great grandkids. Um, it is a rite of passage. So congratulations. And think of me tonight. I'm going to be um, hopefully sitting in a football stadium Watching, uh, watching a whole bunch of kids graduate. It will be a wonderful experience, and it will be a rite of passage. And congratulations to um, our granddaughter, Gracie. We are very proud of her. You know, we, we talk about the, the good kids and the kids that are graduating from high school and stuff, and then there's stories like this. All right, here's the deal. Uh, Milwaukee Police Pursuit crash one seriously injured three arrested all right uh three people were arrested friday morning june 10th following a police pursuit involving a stolen vehicle in milwaukee the pursuit ended in a crash it began around 1.50 a.m. in the area of 51st and Capitol after officers observed a vehicle speeding. So it's 1.50 in the morning, 51st and Capitol, car is speeding. Officers attempt to make a traffic stop. Okay, this is Milwaukee, so what happens? The driver refuses to stop. The police begin to chase. The pursuit ended when the fleeing vehicle collided with another vehicle in the area of 51st and Locust. So it goes from Capitol down to Locust. Not that long a, a search. The suspect, the, o- the occupants of the stolen vehicle flee on foot. Three were arrested. Okay, so let, let's, 1.50 a.m., stolen car, three people driving recklessly, flee from the cops. They chase, ends in a crash. The dazzling detail The driver of the suspected vehicle, 15 years old, transported to the hospital for treatment of serious injuries. The other two, a 17-year-old male and a 15-year-old female, sustained non-fatal injuries. Okay, it's almost 2 in the morning. You've got a 15-year-old that's fleeing from the cops, driving a stolen car. There's another 15-year-old in this, in with him, and there's a 17-year-old. I, I, there's, there's so much wrong with this, but let, let's start with wh- where really are the parents? I, I mean, I understand things have changed since I was a kid, but I got to tell you, at, when I was 15 years old, there's no way in God's green earth that Anna Jack Wagner would let me out on the streets at 2 o'clock in the morning, much less driving a stolen car, much less fleeing from the cops. Well, where I understand it, it's, I, I'm not really being rhetorical, and I understand it's almost a cliche, but where are the parents of these kids? And, and maybe, again, and I've argued this before, we need to start figuring out ways to hold these parents accountable for the out-of-control behavior of their kids. So if your kid is graduating from high school and has managed to go through high school without stealing cars and fleeing from the cops and committing felonies, you know, maybe you should consider yourself 
just, I don't know if you consider yourself lucky or a good parent or whatever, because there's a lot of parents that are completely and totally punched out, and you see that on a daily basis. It's time now for Jeff Wagner's Pop Culture Corner. Put aside the heavy lifting and call the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620. And now, here is Jeff Wagner. All right. I know there's lots of really serious stuff going on in the world. and Lord knows we've talked about a lot of that over the course of the rest of the program. We lighten it up. It's Pop Culture Corner presented to you by Palermo's Pizza, delicious frozen pizzas made right here in Wisconsin for over 55 years. Palermo's is Wisconsin's hometown pizza. And one of our callers in the complete and total discretion of my producer, Charlie, will win our Palermo's Pizza prize package. Try saying that three times quickly, which is... uh, certificate for a couple Palermo's pizza and some freezer bags and Palermo's pizza cutters and Palermo's post-it cubes, all sorts of fun things like that. All right. So sometimes in Pop Culture Corner, we talk about books, sometimes travel, sometimes food, um, sometimes music, sometimes sports. All right. Today, our topic comes from the world of film. All right. What's the, been the big story in the world of film for the last couple of weeks? Well, I'll give you a hint. It is the Top Gun sequel i guess after you know 30 plus years after the original top gun is back and it's drawing huge it's it's drawing raves everybody that i know that has seen it absolutely loves it now i know some people who don't like tom cruise or didn't like the original movie have no interest but everybody i know that has seen it loves it i have not seen it yet but you know i i think some rainy afternoon maybe i'll uh, we'll, we'll go out and we'll, we'll take a look at it. Um, but, but everybody loves it. And one of the things that they tell me is that it, it's very, very derivative, which is what you expect. It's kind of, in many respects, it's sort of like the original, slightly recast, but kind of the same plot line and stuff like that. And it's got Tom Cruise and it's got a couple of the other people who were in the original movie and they're back. And they, they say it's just an entertaining sort of, of movie. Oftentimes, when they try to make sequels for for good movies, they, they just fail. And then sometimes there's sequels that really hit it out of the park. And every once in a while, you have a sequel that some people think is better than the original. There are people, not me, but there are people who would argue that, for example, Godfather 2 is better than Godfather 1. I don't necessarily agree, but, th- but some people actually feel that way well today on pop culture corner i don't want to talk about so much just sequels but i want to look at it in a broader perspective i want to talk about movie franchises because you know my guess is that given all the dough that you know the new top gun movie has made my guess is that this is going to be part of a continuing franchise, and you're going to see more Top Gun movies you know, coming out, assuming that they can work out their copyright problems and things like that. So I want to talk about movie franchises. And my question to you is, what is your favorite all-time movie franchise? Godfather is a, is a movie franchise, you know, multiple movies. Um, Star Wars. Uh, that I throw that back to the future. You know, the movies that Star Trek maybe would be, you know, another one of these movie franchises. You know, Die Hard is certainly a movie franchise, but I'm talking about not just the first one, but I'm talking about, you know, the, you look at the different movies that have come out in connection with this. What is your all time favorite movie franchise? 
as opposed to like a one-off movie. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Your favorite movie franchise of all time. Vacation. That would be a franchise. You've had four vacation movies that have come out. I just throw those out as ideas. 855-616-1620. We discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner's Pop Culture Corner. Now back to Take Your Calls. Here's Jeff Wagner. And, and by the way, you just heard that, uh, that the Tim Michael spot. Right now, the Wisconsin Elections Commission is considering challenges in an attempt to keep Tim Michaels off the ballot. If, if the commission were to deadlock on this, then the matter would go to circuit court. Tim Michaels is going to be on the ballot. Uh, but we might have an answer to that question potentially um, sometime this afternoon. All right, Pop Culture Corner. We are talking about movie franchises given the fact that, uh, well, you've got Top Gun that's just come out and, and uh, Jurassic Park. Uh, Jurassic Park is coming out shortly. Uh, Jeff, my favorite movie franchise has got to be the Indiana Jones franchise. Every movie is as entertaining as the first, and you can't beat Harrison Ford for the leading role. That would certainly be one. A number of people are mentioning um, Harry Potter. The Harry Potter movie franchise is the best one for me. My kids grew up with those movies, and every time they're on, I remember the great times we had watching them. Those are movies that you can watch over and over again, especially the first three or four. 855-616-1620. Let's start with Ian in Kenosha. Ian, you're you're on WTMJ. Hello, Jeff. How are you? I am well, thank you. Best movie franchise of all time? I believe Marvel, and not just Marvel, Star Wars as well. Those are my two favorite movie franchises because not not just Disney owns them, but I, I find my, I think I can relate to some characters in both Marvel and Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, thanks. I mean, Star Wars, when, we, when you want to talk about just money-making franchises, Star Wars... Would definitely be up there. Not just the the nine movies in the Star Wars canon, but then you've got the various standalones that are out there. Yeah, the Marvel movies. It was funny. Debbie Debbie Lazakar, our, our traffic reporter, she would say, "Well, I, I'd say it's the Marvel movies." And I said, "Well, I, I, yeah, I think you have to pick one. Is it Thor? Is it Iron Man? Is it the Avengers?" But I I understand that all those movies, the Captain America movies, the Doctor Strange movies, they all kind of you know fit into one big thing. But it, clearly, th- that is a franchise. Eight five five six one six. Six one six twenty. Let's talk to uh, Dave and Racine. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Greetings and salutations. Got to be diehard. I mean, you know, uh, first, third, and uh, fourth had really, really good villains. Two was a you know a nice actioner, but uh, I think it was the villains that made it. The, the, those uh, three that I mentioned. I mean, you had mm-hmm. Alan Rickman as Hans Gruber. I mean, you know, you know that which made it the great Christmas movie when he said. You ask for a miracle, I give you the FBI. <laughs> Thanks for the call, Dave. Yeah, see, people get into an argument still about whether Die Hard is a Christmas movie or not. And I, I, I happen to be one of these people who doesn't think it is. It's just it's set around Christmas time. To me, it, it that's not. I, I think of like Christmas stories being a Christmas movie, but but it's definitely a very very successful franchise. Uh, let's see, Lord of the Rings. 
Well, yeah, that is definitely a good one. For me, Jeff, it would be the Police Academy franchise. Very, very funny. Somebody else mentions uh, you know, Naked Gun, which I would, I guess, I think incorporate that. number of people are mentioning James Bond, the 007 movies. If you want to look at you know, another franchise that has been incredibly, incredibly popular, that would certainly be it. And uh, lots of longevity and all the different people who've played uh, James Bond over the years. Jeff, there's something about the Jason Bourne series that draws me every time there's one on. If I turn on the TV and see it, I just find myself sitting there for hours. Jeff, my husband and I watch all the eight Harry Potter movies about four times a year. They never get old. We can't get enough of it. Um, Yeah, well, you got that there. Jeff, I love the Halloween movies with Jamie Lee Curtis. I remember seeing the first one, uh, which was really kind of the first slasher movie. I remember seeing that in, in the theaters. For me, Jeff, it's Fast and Furious. I love that. Here's one. Dirty Harry. Well, they had the Dirty Harry franchises, including like the... You know, the, the first Clint East with, with Clint Eastwood, including the first Dirty Harry movie, which I thought was really, really good. And I was just thinking about the opening scene of that the other day where he's got, you know, did I fire six shots or only five? You know, in all this excitement, I kind of lost count myself. But this is a three fifty seven Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world. I can still remember that. 855-616-1620. Jeff in Fox Point. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. My favorite is the Christopher Nolan Batman series with Christian Bale because I feel like they, they quit a hat. They quit while they were ahead. Even though the third one was slightly weaker, I felt as though they, they didn't get bad and they didn't go off the rails like a lot of these other franchises tend to do. Well, and you had the, the second one with, with uh, the second one was the one with Heath Ledger's Joker in it, right? That was the second one of the franchise? Yeah, that's my yeah, that's yeah. my favorite of the three and I think a lot of people agree with me. Yeah, that that and that might be, you know, I, I think that's arguably the best Batman movie ever. But yeah, you you can't go wrong with that. And Jeff, you are the winner of our Palermo's prize package for today, okay? Thanks to you and your producer. You betcha. Thanks. Well, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Charlie. I'm just the guy. I'm I'm just the the meat puppet here. I I get to give away the stuff, but Charlie gets to decide who gets it. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Um, let's see. Jurassic Park. There's a new Jurassic Park coming out. I have to confess, I only saw the first one, and I, I haven't seen any of the Jurassic Parks after that. Um, this is it's a guilty pleasure. Somebody's mentioning uh, Keanu Reeves and John Wick. Yeah, I. I, 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 I'm, it's a guilty pleasure, but yes, I, I like the John Wick movies. And as long as we're talking about franchises and we're talking about Keanu Reeves, you know, what about the Matrix, the original three Matrix series? And then they've, they've had the, the new one that they came out with earlier this year. The first one's still the best of, of those. And, and as long as we're talking about Keanu Reeves, talking about franchise, how many actors are, are in multiple franchises? He was in Bill and Ted's, you know, the Bill and Ted series as well. 855-616-1620. Let's talk to um, Mike on the northwest side. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. Good afternoon, Jeff. Uh, some people still my John Wick and Jason Bourne things, but I'm going back a few more years. I don't know if it's a, a uh, franchise or not, but the Spaghetti Westerns with Clint Eastwood, Good bag and ugly for a few dollars more. Stuff Fist, like that. Fistful of dollars, hang them high. Yeah, right. I don't know if it's a franchise, but it's the same theme. 
And I really enjoy those. Right, no, I think so. it would be the, the man with uh, the no name. And it kind of it, it ended with uh, High Plains Drifter, I think, was kind of the last one. That was probably the most commercial of them. But, yeah, that's, that really revived Clint Eastwood's career. You know, he was kind of a struggling TV actor, and he was in Rawhide and stuff. And he went over and did the spaghetti westerns for a few dollars more and Fistful of Dollars and Hang em High. Forget which one. I think Hang 'em Eyes was one that came first, and then you know came back. And then they did the Good, Bad, and the Ugly, and then they did High Plains Drifter. And next thing you know, he's Dirty Harry. Let's talk to another Mike. Mike in West Bend. Good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon. It's got to be uh, the Terminator movies. The I'll be back. What? <laughs> which one did you? You know, um, I've seen. I, I'm not sure I've seen them all, but I certainly saw the first couple. I thought the first one was really really good i i thought that that was certainly my favorite of the of all of them well I, I that's where it of course started my favorite was the second one because you know you had the the liquid right the liquid metal guy yeah and of course um dark fate is the latest one where the um arnold's in there he's getting a little old now <laughs> But uh, I'm thinking they still have to continue the series. Well, as long as there's thanks to call, I mean, look here. Here's the bottom line: as long as there is money to be made, they will continue the the series. Uh, you know, and um, and it just uh, and let me see. People are mentioning the Alien series with Sigourney Weaver. That would be certainly one of them. A couple people just mentioning the Ghostbuster series, which you know you had the sequel, but then you had the remake that featured the 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 women who were playing the Ghostbuster roles. Then you just had the most recent Ghostbuster movie that brought back some of the the people from the first movie, Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray, together with new folks. It's they're they're figuring out ways to keep these things alive. And bottom line is, as long as it's making money, you know that um, it's going to be taken care of. Tim in Random Lake. Tim, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, hello, Jeff. Hi. What's yeah, your favorite? I like the Jason Bourne series. I think Three and Done was good. Uh, yeah, and Matt Damon, right? He was he was at least in the he was in he was he played Jason Bourne, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. I like. Thanks for calling. A little Matt Damon goes a long way with me. But I, yeah, I thought he was pretty good in those. Jeff, Back to the Future, one of my very favorite movies. Jeff, for me, it was the uh, National Lampoon series. But well, that's you know, I, I think Vacation. National, the first one was great. I thought uh, Christmas Vacation. The third one was great. I thought the other two, European Vacation and uh, Las Vegas Vacation, were kind of disappointing. But that's it. Jeff, has anybody mentioned the Rocky series? Well, that's very good. I mean, you want to talk about a great franchise? That's um, that's definitely one that's out there. Jeff, my w- husband and I love the Hunger Games series. Huh? I didn't. I you know I I've never I've never I got to confess I never watched the Hunger Games series, so uh, no perspective on that. Jeff, for me it was Rambo. Huh? Jeff, for me, I loved the Shrek series. Well, I loved the Shrek series too. Um, that to me, the, the original one was was probably the the best. And and sometimes maybe you should quit after one. But that was cute. Jeff, haven't heard anybody mention Star Trek. Yeah, the um, you know, the original Star Trek movie was just absolutely awful. But then you know they figured out how to reboot the franchise and Star Trek Two. Still remember seeing Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan with William Shatner and Ricardo Montalban and Leonard Niboy, and that completely and totally rebooted the uh, the franchise, and it continues to make a whole bunch of money to this day. They're, they're all good. They're all 
really, really good franchises. No question about it. And like I say, look for more. And if your favorite one made money before, Mission Impossible would be another one. They'll, they'll be back because as long as they're making money, they're going to be producing these movies. That's it for Pop Culture Corner this week. Thanks for playing. Another one next Friday. 